It is Tuesday, April 14th, 2020, and you are tuned into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. Uh, as the analytics section of dirttracker.com kind of continues to get more robust, I, I want to start looking at some some comparisons kind of among series um, and, and really see, you know, kind of what sets some guys apart and, and kind of makes them formidable. Um, and, I, you know, I've started adding the World of Outlaws late model series races to the site. I'm up to 23 right now. Um, basically the 2020 schedule that we've had so far, the nine races, and then I'm working into the 2018 schedule right now. I got the uh, USA Nationals a couple of nights entered in yesterday. But I want to kind of start looking uh, to see where we can kind of draw some comparisons. And I think an easy one uh, right now is Donnie Schatz versus Brandon Shepard. I've got a, obviously a little bit smaller sample size with the late model results kind of compared to the sprint car results. Um, but I think there's enough data there to kind of start looking at this and, and see where we can, you know, compare these guys and, and see who's good where and, and things like that. So I, I think these guys too are especially interesting to compare kind of because of their relationship. Uh, when we see shots bring out a late model, it, it's a rocket chassis and he, he's usually parked, you know, right next to the one team. Um, he's working right with Mark Richards and, and Shepard. And then we saw this year when Shots brought his late model to the dome, uh, Shepard actually drove his car. So, uh, you know, existing relationship there and, and uh, you know, obviously as, as successful as these guys have been over the last several years, um, it, it's uh, it, it's not a huge surprise that there, you know, that there's some common respect there, but but also there, you know, kind of the the, the interest uh, about late model racing too, I think is, is interesting, especially when you take a look at Shots. But the, I feel like the thing you hear often about these guys is just how much they win. And, and that is absolutely true. Um, they do win a lot of races, you know, especially between the two of them, uh, you know, looking at shots as numbers through the 153 races I have uh, for the sprint car series in the database shots has won 22% of the races. So that's, uh, that's a little bit better than every fifth time out shots is winning. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, kind of through the, the, the 23 races for the late models, Shepard has won about 17% of the shows. Uh, that number will go up as I add more 2019 races because Shepard was so dominant last year. Uh, he won 18 of, 40, uh, 18 of 41 races last year. So, um, you know, obviously that percentage is going to grow for him uh, e even more than that. But uh, to me, kind of what really sets these guys apart is, is and something I don't think gets talked about enough really, is just how consistent they are on a night-to-night -night basis. Uh, shots finishes in the top 10 about 89% of the races, um, which, you know, is bananas to think about, you know, that in, in Shepard is, is similar Shepard right now through, through the races I have is about 91%. Um, and you know, it, it's going to be tough to beat guys on a nightly basis, you know, over the course of a season, you know, they're, they're going to finish 10th or better, you know, nine out of 10 times. Um, and you know, you look at top fives shots has, is going to finish in the top five, about 67% of the time. Well, Shepard right now is 82% of the time he's going to finish in the top five. Um, and if you look actually just at the 2019 season alone, Shepard finished in the top five 90% of the time over the entire 2019 season, which is almost unfathomable to think about. Um, looking at average finish, both drivers have similar average finishes. Shots is at 4.6, Shepard at 4.3. Shepard typically starts a little higher in the field. He's got a 5.9 average start to Shots is 7.2. But Shots makes up for that because he is the second best in spots gained in the feature going all the way back to the 2018 season. That kind of feature plus minus Shots is number two in that category. So, you know, even though he might start a little bit lower in the feature, he's going to make up for that because he's going to pass a ton of cars. So, 
you know, when you you start to kind of break things down on a night to night on a night to night basis, and and you know, kind of track to track, these guys can absolutely be beaten on a single night basis. There's no doubt about that, um, and and you see that, you know, looking at you know race wins and things like that, you know, on on the sprint car side, you know, what what you know Brad Sweet is able to do, and David Gravel, and you know Pittman grabbing some wins, and and if you look at the light model side, you know Chris Madden and Mike Marler, and and some of these guys are able to kind of take some of those wins from Shepard, but that's on a night to night basis, you know, any number of guys are going to be able to have a chance. But as you look over a full season um, and with that consistency and and their ability to adapt to racetracks and, and, you know, bring a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge on a night to night basis, you, you see why it's so difficult to be able to take these guys out. And, you know, I think a a really kind of pointing, um, you know, example of that is, is, you know, Brad Sweet did win the championship last year, you know, straight up against Donnie shots, but Sweet after, after securing the championship at World Finals last year, said it was the most stressful year of his life, and and you see why because, you know, the expectations, you know, that you've got to have, and and you know what's going to take for you to beat these guys on a nightly basis is just so damn high, um, and, and you understand why it's so stressful. So, uh, just wanted to take a quick peek at you know a, a, you know a comparison and just kind of see you know where these guys kind of shake out against each other, and and we'll do more of this uh, as more races get in, and uh, these numbers are obviously going to change too as add more late model races but uh, just to give you an idea of just how good these guys are every single night and why they're so tough to beat but Moving over to some uh, racing that happened last night, the Word of Outlaws late model competitors took to the virtual Lernerville Speedway for a 50-lap feature. 54, uh, 54 cars took time in qualifying. Uh, it was the usual suspects up front, Caden Cornell going quick time over Corey Gordon and Logan Seavey. Uh, heats were won by Cornell, Gordon, Seavey, Chase Briscoe, Mike McKinney, and Trent Ivey. Uh, you know, no surprise there. These are all names that we've seen uh, you know, at the front of these shows. Several have won races and, and you know, guys that you're going to see at the front. Um, the Bs were won by Tyler Clem and Nick Hoffman. Cornell and Gordon started on the front row of the feature. Cornell jumped out to an early lead. Uh, he led the first nine laps, and then Corey Gordon took control on lap 10. Cornell wound up tangling with Mike McKinney down the backstretch a few laps later. Uh, drivers kind of got together, ended up a little bit over the over the berm, and then had to kind of come back over and collect it. Uh, McKinney kind of came out a little bit better there. Gordon got pushed a little bit further down the order. He would end up 13th. Uh, Corey Gordon looked like he was about to gonna kind of be unstoppable in this. He led the next 21 laps, but uh, there was a, re- a, a restart where the, the, it looked like the kind of the previous restart before that Gordon kind of got a jump on everybody and went early. So I think this time CB was kind of anticipating that he was going to go early again. Well, this time Gordon brought him down slow and CB anticipated a quicker start and basically just ended up running Gordon over on, uh, on the start. Uh, Gordon actually got spun kind of back into the field, actually ended up turned over. So um, you know, kind of a tough break for him that basically pushed him all the way to the back um, of the field. That incident gave the lead to Mike McKinney. Uh, he led 19 of the final 20 laps to grab his second late model invitational win and get a $1,000 check. Ashton Winger, a, a B-main transfer, actually drove from 21st up to finish second. He was also hard charger. Uh, Ethan Toder was third, Trent Ivy fourth, and Nick Kaufman from a B transfer up to fifth. Uh, pretty crazy night with some of those moves that guys were able to make, but uh, fun racing to watch again at the Lernerville Speedway. That's a, a good racetrack, I think, for, for both series. You usually see some pretty good racing there um, for the sprint cars and the late models when they head to Lernerville. 
Uh, if you want to check out some more racing tonight, the sprint cars are at Lernerville tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern on Dirt Vision. Uh, you can watch that with your Fast Pass or a single day uh, pass over there. Uh, the World of Atlas Sprint Car Series World Championship had round number four last night at the Knoxville Raceway. Alex Bergeron was leading the points going into the night. Uh, in qualifying, it was James Edens who went quick time over Austin Semmelman and Rusty Kruger. Uh, the entire field of 34 cars was separated that by less than two and a half tenths in qualifying. That is insane. 34 cars two and a half tenths the difference between first and 34th. Uh, you, you can see why I've been enjoying watching this series so much because the racing is just so dang close. It's it's madness. Heats were won by James Edens, David Heilman, Rusty Kruger, and Dylan Hauser. Uh, Hauser came from dead last in the, in the heat to win. So, uh, you know, again, you've heard me say it before on my other show. Don't tell me there's no passing in sprint car racing. Uh, the first B was won by Justin Thomas with Joel Berkeley grabbing the other transfer from a last place starting position. Uh, the second B was won by Logan Clampett with Nick Cooper getting the other transfer. The 35 lap feature went green to checker. Uh, the whole thing took about 10 and a half minutes. Officials did not rework the track before the feature, so it was nice and slick from the top to the bottoms. Uh, to the bottom. Uh, James Edens jumped out to the lead on the start from the pole. The guys really mixed it up behind him. He was kind of unchallenged. Challenged uh, over a good portion of that feature, uh, but about 15 laps to go, the the you know that kind of top five, you know the second, third, fourth place guys really started kind of closing in on him. Braden Eiler was able to run him down and take the lead with about 10 laps left. You could kind of see Eiler use the top to kind of run Edens down. Edens was kind of switching lines back and forth. He'd run slider line. He'd run the bottom. He didn't really have one spot on the track that he was really good. I think that kind of hurt him a little bit um, with Eiler able to really kind of bang the boards and, and run him down. It looked like Eiler was maybe going to run away with it, but then Bergeron, Alex Bergeron, who started ninth, he was ended up kind of reeling uh, Braden Eiler in, but with just a few laps left, and, and this is kind of the – you know, you've got a different set of problems with, with virtual racing than you do with actual racing. You know, in actual racing, you're going to blow engines and cut tires and, you know, things are going to happen. But in this case, but Alex Bergeron had a internet connection issue uh, literally inside the last five laps. And uh, that was it for him. He dropped out of the feature, ended up getting credited with an 18-place uh, uh, finish. I, I really think that he was going to have something for Eiler there, and I think it was going to be a battle over those last couple of laps to see who came away with the win. But uh, instead, Bergeron relegated back to 18th. That let Eiler drive away to win over Cameron Merriman, James Edens, David Halliman, and Dylan Hauser back in fifth. Uh, it sounded like quite a few guys were close on field at the end. Also, uh, uh, Brayden Eiler had to be pushed to the front stretch by a teammate uh, for that kind of winner shot after he took the checkered. You got to think, you know, these guys, they probably assume there's going to be at least a few caution laps, uh, you know, over the course of the night and in these features. Um, but with a clean, a clean race, you know, these guys are going to be really close on field. They're only going to put in as much as they think they need to go the distance. And obviously caution laps are going to extend that mileage a little bit. Um, but you want that car obviously weighing as little as possible at the end of that race. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> another lap or two. And we might have seen a, a good portion of the top five or maybe even the top ten dropping out with, uh, with not enough fuel. But uh, some guys definitely sweat it out there at the end. Joel Berkeley was the big mover of the night. He went from bad, uh, the back of the B all the way to a ninth place finish. Uh, also, shout out to Billy Rowley. He uh, started his first feature of the year. He finished 13th. Uh, I, I know he was posting on Twitter about being sick, so uh, maybe you should be sick more often, Billy. I, I, I tweeted that at him. Uh, even with his bad luck, though, Bergeron still leads the points over Kendall Tucker, David Heilman, James Edens, and Cameron Merriman. The top four are only separated by 13 points going to the next race. The series is back in action next Monday night at Limeland Motorsports Park. You can watch that for free at 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Uh, Twitch.com slash iRacing or iRacing.com slash live. Uh, that's it for the show today. Hope everybody has a good Tuesday. You can find Dirt Trucker daily on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. Please subscribe, leave me a review, tell your friends. You can also watch the show on 
on YouTube and Facebook. You can email the show at info at dirttracker.com. You can follow along with the website, facebook.com slash dirttracker, twitter.com slash dirttracker, and the website, dirttracker.com. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Justin underscore Feather. Don't forget to sign up for the Dirt Tracker weekly newsletter. I'll be sending that out here just a little bit later today. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow on Dirt Tracker Daily. We'll be right back.